Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Well, first I want to introduce my family. Uh, there, of course, that's Daddy Shuck and Mommy Shuck and Ate Shuck, Kuya Shuck and Baby Shuck. Um, also known as uh, my oldest daughter is Alessandra. She is eight. Samuel is five, and Caleb is nine months. And about a month ago, we we came under attack. Um, we agreed to come here, um, and the enemy just all out attacked our health. Um, we've been through multiple rounds of antibiotics, all having to do with sinus and coughs and all that stuff. No worry, the doctor has cleared. Nothing is contagious. But at the same time, we didn't know if we were coming here until eight hours before we were supposed to get on the plane. Um, the, the doctor had saw uh, Caleb, my son. She was very concerned with some phlegm in his chest. It just keeps sticking. It's staying there. Um, and she called us 12 hours before we were supposed to get on the plane. And she says, I want to have him admitted today in the hospital. Please bring him to the hospital. Um, and so we have just been on all-out attack, and I really believe it's because God wants to do something powerful here today. Amen? Yeah. Um, let me just real quick introduce you to you who we are and who we are with. We are with an organization called Go to Nations, um, and it's basically what we do. We go to nations, every tribe, every tongue, every nations. Um, and our heart is to mobilize the local church in every nation to go. Because we know that for me being a Western missionary, I'm from uh, Lansing, Michigan in the United States, um, and it's very difficult for us to go to some of the harder to reach areas, but we can mobilize the local churches and send them in. Um, And our our organization has four key or four core values and I wanted to share with you. Um, Number one is Lordship of Christ. We believe that everything we do, everything that we are, everything that we possess belongs to him. Um, And there's a saying that says, if he is not Lord of all, is he Lord at all? Um, We believe that everything we do belongs to him. The ministries, our possessions, everything. Number two is empowerment. Um, Empowerment is one of the most incredible things. And we see all throughout the first four chapters how Jesus empowered his disciples to do the works of heaven. Um, And so we come along local churches, organizations to help empower them to fulfill their calling and their giftings and to pursue the establishment of the kingdom of God here on earth. Um, One of the, one of our many projects that we do, um, we are just in the process of starting a livelihood training. Um, And this is really the only place I can kind of plug this in today with our message. But The ladies that we work with, and you will see the conditions that many of these uh, people work work and live in, um, have started creating some purses and bags. It's kind of a livelihood project. So we are empowering them to break the cycles of poverty. Okay? So we've got a couple of those out there uh, on the table if you guys would like to purchase. Um, And something really cool, we were not expecting this at all, but uh, about a week ago we got an email from a friend who had taken some of these aprons to the United States to sell. Um, And we got an email and she said, I want you to go to this website and look. Um, And these aprons were 
were published in Forbes magazine in the United States in the last month um, as a free trade. If you want to get involved in the free trade, this is what we're trying to set up there with the families we work with. Um, so all of these are out there uh, in the lobby. Is that what we call it here? Lobby. <laughs> um, so feel free to stop by the table uh, just to kind of see what we have out there. Uh, number two is advancement. We believe that we are at war. And we have to advance the kingdom of God and its establishment. And number two is partnership. Everything we do is in partnership with the local body. And we are in partnership with Mark and Yen uh, there in Iloilo. We're here in partnership with you guys to share what God is doing around the world. And so it's such an incredible opportunity. Um, so before we kind of jump into really what God has laid on my heart this morning, I have to do two things. All right, and if you guys will allow me to kind of shift some things in the way that you see things and understand things, I think we will really be able to receive what God has for us this morning. So number one, I want us all to take a look at a picture. Not yet, not yet, not yet. Sorry. Um, we're going to take a look at a picture, and I want you to identify something in that picture. There's seven things in this picture, and I want you to identify it. Don't talk to your neighbor about it yet, but I just want you to look at the picture Take in what you see, and then I'm gonna, we're going to do a survey of who sees what, okay? Uh, Bruce Lipton is a famous cell researcher, and he says that every single second, our eyes take in 20 million bits of information. So right now, every second, your eye is capturing 20 million bits of information, okay? I, I equated, equated that down. That's 2,000 gigabytes of information every single second that your eye is taking in. Is that incredible? The colors, everything that you see, 20, 20 million bits of information, 2,000 gigabytes. Um, but of the 20 million, only 4,000 of those bits are actually allowed to enter your brain, and your brain only focuses on 40 bits of information. Okay. So this is very important for us to understand because when we look at this picture, we are all going to see something, all right? So let's look at this picture real quick. All right, all right, turn it off real quick. Okay, how many of you saw at least one thing in the picture? All right, great. Okay, there's seven, there's seven things in that picture. How many of you saw at least two? All right. How many? Three. Right. Man, you guys are good. All right. There are actually seven animals in that picture. Seven animals. And what you see is how your brain processed those 40 bits of information. Okay? The 40 bits, the little bit of that information that your eyes see... So if you saw a bird and a crab, who saw a bird and a crab? All right. If you saw a bird and a crab, it means that your brain is able to, to both see quickly and your brain processes information very quickly and it's easier for you to spot connections and patterns. Okay? How many of you guys saw the horse? Okay. So if you saw the horse, seeing the horse is more difficult um, and it shows the ability to stick with and look deeper. Those that spotted are easier, easily and intu intuitive deep thinkers. Okay, how many saw the dolphin? 
Yeah, see? Were you guys not all looking at the same picture? Come on. All right, if you saw the dolphin, um, it indicates that you're more creative, you're, express, you're an expressive thinker, and it attributes to using the right portion of your brain. How many of you guys saw the bear? Wow. I think the bear is the absolutely the hardest one. We can go ahead and show that back up there so people can kind of see. I'm sorry, I should have left that up there. Um, the bear requires you to, to look at the big picture. Okay? And you don't get caught up in the small details. Isn't that incredible? We all looked at the same picture and we all saw something different. All right. You know what I just did? (laughs) All right, all right. Take the picture down. By showing that picture, we all looked at it and saw something different. But by explaining what was in the picture, seeing the picture again, all of a sudden you had a new perspective of what was in the picture. Correct? Perspective, which I think is the next slide, perspective is the angle in which you see something. Okay? Everything that we see, we all have a different perspective. If I hold this book up, You see one perspective and I see another. Why? Because we're on two different sides at two different angles. But the people over here, all they see is this. So they see something totally different. In life, and especially in the line of work that we do, working with the poor and the impoverished, we have to have a perspective. And perspective is very important. But one of the things that gets in the way of perspective is perception. The way that you see it and you perceive what you see. Okay? Some of you perceived a bird. Some of you a dolphin. Some of you a bear. Okay? That was what you perceived. But if you wear glasses and you took your glasses off, what would you see? Nothing. You see, we are designed... To see things not only from our perspective, but from a kingdom perspective. But oftentimes, our spiritual eyes are hindered. And our perception and how we perceive what is going on around us is altered. Now, if you wear glasses, the first time you went and had an eye test, chances are you didn't even know you needed glasses. Correct? You're walking around, you're... Hi. Yeah, I see that. It's okay. But until you put on glasses and it corrected your perception, you didn't know you needed glasses, right? Glasses fix the perception. But if you take it off, it hasn't permanently fixed it, correct? I believe that this has a very, it's very weighty in the spiritual because if we are not seeing things from God's perspective, we're, we're seeing things from our human understanding. And the Bible says, do not lean on your own understanding, but lean upon him. So everything that we see going on around us, if we're only perceiving it from our own filters, okay? What is a filter? Culture. Growing up where you grew up, 
your home culture, okay? What about the challenges? I was suicidal at the age of 15. So everything that I saw was filtered through, through those filters. And it wasn't until God came in and really corrected it that I was able to see things from a kingdom perspective. We have to allow God to heal our perceptions. Because if those perceptions remain... When we look at poverty, when we look at injustice, when we look at the things going on in this world, we will perceive them from a different perspective through filters that will only filter out and allow us to see the things through a human, uh, through our own hearts. Um, And so it's very important that we get down to the place where God can heal us. Okay, so some of the things that kind of get in the way of our perception would be pride, offense, Uh, The way that we've been brought up, uh, the way that we have, uh, our parents have brought us up. So all these things affect the way that that what I'm doing, what I'm saying, many of you are perceiving what I'm saying completely different than what I am portraying it. And we often say, I want you to, or there's the saying that says, sorry, I want you to judge me by my intentions, but I will judge you by what you've done. So oftentimes my intentions are this, but I didn't mean to hurt you. I really meant to do this, but it's perceived as hurt or offense, right? So all these things get into the way, in, in the way of how we see things. Um, so some common misconceptions about the poor, all right? Poor people are lazy. Poor people can't be trusted to handle money. Poor people should not be allowed to buy non-essential items. Poor people are dumb. They don't know what they need. Poor people are, the, it's proper for the wealthy people to tell the poor what they need. Okay, so these are misconceptions when it comes to working with the poor. And all these misconceptions continue to oppress the poor. But yet, if, if you were to take your Bible, I, I have this Bible, it's an incredible Bible, it's called the Poverty and, and, Justi- Poverty and Justice Bible. There are over 2,000 scriptures in the scriptures that talk about poverty and injustice and the justice of God. 2,000 scriptures. Look at this. It's all highlighted. From beginning to end, scriptures all throughout talking about. So if God is talking about it that much, don't you think he's a little concerned about it? And this is an incredible series. We've, I've loved being able to get in touch and listen to the different uh, people that you guys have had coming in. Um, so really what we need is spiritual LASIK, LASIK surgery. The technology of LASIK surgery is incredible. It can take a person who has just completely horrible vision and through lasers correct it so that you can see 2020 again. Has anybody had LASIK surgery? Nice. All right. But I think this morning God wants to do some spiritual LASIK surgery on our hearts to take away some of the things, the filters that are keeping us from perceiving really God's heart for the poor and those who are in injustice. So we've got a short video here that we would like to show you guys. Um, But before we show it, I want to pray. So, Father, right now, before we even get any further into your word, Lord, I ask, God, that you would come and begin to identify 
the perceptions that are keeping us from seeing truly the kingdom of God and what you want to do in, in the hearts and the lives of those who are suffering injustice in this world. So, Father, we ask God right now in Jesus' name that you remove and identify in all of our hearts so that we can see their lives from a kingdom perspective in Jesus' name. What you just saw is a totally different perspective to what you've grown up seeing. And a lot of the reason that those families live there is because of injustice. You see, our world system is literally built to oppress the weak. Injustice is defined as unjust act or occurrence. I thought, that's a really difficult to, to really understand. So when I looked at the synonyms, it says unfairness, unjustness, corruption, cruelty, brutality, tyranny. That list of words is not just what injustice looks like in the areas that we work, but in most of the world, that is injustice. That is what a large majority of the world's population lives under, is injustice. So if that is what injustice looks like, what does justice look like? Justice is defined as a just behavior or a treatment, but what are the synonyms? Fairness, fair play, fair-mindedness, even-handedness, impartiality, lack of bias, objectivity, neutrality, ugh, lack of prejudice. Okay, so all of a sudden now we see what justice looks like. Honor. Uprightness, decency, integrity, honesty, righteousness, ethics, morals. So if we are called, and God talks over 2,000 times in his word about justice and breaking the cycles of poverty, so then what does that mean to us? What does that mean to you? What does that mean we're supposed to be doing? Let's take a look at Jesus and his call here on earth. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release, pardon, and forgiveness to the captives, to recover the sight to the blind, and to free those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the favor of God abound greatly. See, this was Jesus's assignment here on earth, was to bring the kingdom of God, to release those from captivity, to set free those that were oppressed. Okay? So if we call ourselves Christians, how many in this room call yourself a Christian? Christian means to be Christ-like. So if we are going to be Christ-like, therefore we must also... Do the things that he did, correct? Does that make sense? Is that kind of what we're, we're going for? Isn't that the passion statement of this church? 
You see, Jesus is our example, and we must follow his example. You see, Jesus was born to a poor family. His disciples were poor and largely, largely uneducated. He became a homeless nomad. He dined with the low lives of society, the tax collectors, etc. He interacted with the lepers, which were ceremonially unclean, the, Samaria, the Samaritans, who were considered dogs in society. He spent most of his time with farmers and peasants, the creator of the universe, God himself, clothed and fleshed, loved the marginalized, the outcast, and the poor. Ephesians 5, two, 5 says, Therefore, become imitators of God, which means copy him and follow his example, as, as well-beloved children, imitating their father, and walk continually in love, that is, value one another, practice empathy, empathy and compassion, selfishly, self, unselfishly seeking the best for others just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and sacrifice to God slain for you so that, so that it became a sweet fragrance. See, we are supposed to be imitators of Christ. Singapore is an incredible nation. And it's been prophesied over and over and over that this city nation is going to be the Antioch of Antiochs, right? Is that, has everybody heard that prophecy? Okay. But what does that mean? You see, there's opportunities all around you within this nation. But we have to shift the way that we see things, our perspectives and our perceptions in order to see what God is already doing in this nation. God is setting up this nation not only to be an Antioch. You see, Antioch in the Bible was a strategic place in which God created a new form of the way missions was done, the way church was even done. Okay, So it was outside of everything else, outside of Jerusalem, which was kind of the main place of Christianity. Antioch became this new, new hybrid of Christianity in which they sent hundreds and thousands of people out. And the reason we sit here in this room is most likely because of the church in Antioch, because they went in missions and changed the world. So how do we become that? How do we become imitators of Christ in this, in this day and age, in this place? Uh, what is the next slide there? I'm sorry. Yeah. Our, your passion statement. This, this is incredible. I love this. We exist to help all people to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and to do the works of Jesus. That's incredible. That's kingdom. That's being Christ-like. So I, I've been talking as we've been traveling around the city in taxis and all sorts of other modes of, not all sorts, but different modes of transportation. Yesterday we were in a in a, I think it was a grab or something like that. And we were talking with the driver and just trying to get a, a good perspective. Why? Because I'm from the U.S. I live in the Philippines. We work with the, the absolutely extreme poor and just trying to get a perspective of what is life really like here. Um, 
And so then I started doing a little bit more research. Did you know that there's 5.64 million people, over 5,640,000 people live here in Singapore, right? And of that, 1.3 of that are foreign workers, okay? And every time I've talked with a taxi driver, they always tell me that there's, there tends to be a little tension with this part of the population here in Singapore. But I want to challenge you as a church and as a nation to understand that God is bringing the nations to you. Do you know why they're coming here? Because chances are most of them are living in justice in their home countries. And the only way to break those cycles is to come here work and send that money home so they can educate their kids so that they can actually have a wall that's not a piece of cardboard. And so God is bringing the people that have been living in injustice here to your doorsteps to be empowered. And I believe that God is bringing them here to be empowered and sent back to change their own nations. Because so many people I've talked to about being the Antioch of Asia have been saying, we had to train up missionaries from Singapore and send them out. But God is sending 1.3 million foreign workers to this nation. Do you think he loves them enough that he wants them to be reached? Do you think he loves them enough that he wants the injustice of their nations to be broken? And so they come here. How many of you guys have, a, have somebody from, from outside of Singapore working with you? Maybe working in your home. And this, this is not in any way to shame. It's to help you to see another perspective. Remember we talked about perspective. Perspective is kingdom. And if that is kingdom, God is bringing other nations. They have to be reached. They have to be reached. He's bringing them here to be reached. China, billion people. India, over a billion people. God is wanting them to be reached. And the influence that this city could have, that this church could have, that the body of Christ in this, in this nation could have on the nations of the world, if we understood his heart and his perspective of why he's bringing them. They're not here to take jobs. They're here to be reached. Why? Because in their nation, they can't be reached. It's illegal. If they convert, they'll be whipped and beaten, thrown into prison. And so he brings them here to be reached, to be discipled, to be sent back to change their nations. My wife and I, over the years, we have had multiple young people come and live with us as helpers to clean. And our goal has never been for them to come and clean, but it has always been to empower them to fulfill their life destiny. We sponsor them to college. We give them skills in the home and we tell them, when you get older and you have a husband, when you get older and you have kids, 
we are empowering them from the moment they walk into our house to fulfill their destiny. And we tell them, we know that you are more than just a helper. You are not here just to clean, but you are here to come under empowerment so that we can empower you to be better so that you can change this nation. Why? Because Filipinos are the best to change their nation. Indians are the best to change their nation. The Chinese are the best to change their nations. And so if we change our perspective, if we get rid of the perceptions, the prejudiceness, the bias, and we begin to see that the whole point, the whole reason Jesus came was to release those in captivity, to, allow, to break the oppression off of their lives, then we realize that the reason God is bringing 1.3 foreign workers, 1.3 million foreign workers here to Singapore is to reach them and change their nations. Many of them come on contracts six months, nine months, one year. What happens? They return and go home looking for another contract. We have to get a perspective on this. One-fifth of this nation's population are brought in here by God. And we have to reach them. You have to reach them. One lady that we work with back in the Philippines, she left the Philippines looking for a way to support her father who was sick. So she got a job in Spain as a house helper. She worked with very influential families. Her, her reputation began to grow and she began to find favor with the families. And when the families were relocated and she worked with ambassadors and she worked with all these people. And one day, the, one of her employers said, why don't you apply at the palace? She said, okay, why not? So she went down to the palace where the king and queen of Spain lived and she applied as a house helper. That house helper went in, she was hired. They said, well, we're only hiring you to sweep the floors and clean the toilets. That's all we need you to do. That is your job. That's the only thing you're going to do. But she did it as if she was doing it to the Lord. And they, she didn't know that there was CCTV. And they called her into the office one day and they said, why are you so happy? We've never seen anyone so happy sweeping floors and washing toilets. She said, because I know that I'm not just doing this for you, but I'm doing this for the Lord. And that conversation put her as the caretaker of the prince and princess of Spain. She read the Bible to them every day. She prayed with them, taught them songs. She understood that if I put the kingdom of God first then all these things will be added unto me. She wasn't seeking the things first. She was seeking the kingdom and doing the work of the kingdom. Today, the prince is now king of Spain. You see, I don't, it doesn't matter what you do in life. But if we put the kingdom of God first, then we will begin to realize 
that there are people that, that need to be reached that only you can reach. Leviticus 19.33. I think that's the next slide. Yeah. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as a native born. Love them as yourself. For you were foreign in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So God talks about this over and over. How we are to treat those that are coming into our nations. Right? But yet we have to understand from the perspective of those that we're reaching. Did you know that God is sending influential people from their nation to this nation? They're sending doctors, engineers, people who can actually change society back where they're from. But if we fail to reach them and they return to their nation, then they haven't fully, then we haven't fully helped them and empowered them to do and reach their fulfillment. Sorry, I kind of got off track here on my, my notes this morning. My wife and I have literally given up, given up everything, and in doing so, we found that we've gotten everything. What you saw in that video is one of the seven things, one of the seven projects that we have ongoing in Iloilo City. We've got other projects now being started reaching tribal areas where you have the guerrilla warfare. I was just in, up in this village about three weeks ago and it was a three hour hike down because it had rained. We couldn't take the motorcycles and we had to hike three hours down from, the, from this village which is still considered a underreached tribal area on our island. And as we were walking, we could hear the gunfire of the militias fighting three mountains over from where we were at. And there was a tendency to want to have fear. But you see, God spoke to me in that moment. He said, Nate, if you don't go, who will go? You see, Matthew 28, 18. Did I skip ahead on you guys? Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. And it says, All authority, all power, absolute rule in heaven and in earth has been given to me. This is Jesus talking. Therefore, go. This word go doesn't necessarily mean leave. It means as you are going, going where? Going to work, going home, going to school. As you are going, make disciples of all nations and help, help the people to learn of me, believe in me and obey my word, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe everything that I command you to do. And lo, I am with you always. You know, those young ladies that we have come and help us in the home, our number one role while they're in our home is to disciple them. That is our number one role. Our number two role is to empower them to reach their destiny. 
all of those, all those young ladies that have come and worked in our home come from incredibly low, impoverished families. But I know God loves them. And they were, not, they, they were not just born by mistake. They have a destiny. And in their, if they're in my care, living in my house, it is my responsibility to empower them to reach their potential and to advance the kingdom of God. So teach these new disciples what? Everything that he taught them. And that goes back to, again, the empowerment to teach them to be like him. And so I feel I'm kind of all over the place this morning, but I really want you guys to get my heart. If we don't allow us ourselves to see another perspective, if we don't step into their world, if we don't step into and try to understand from their perspective, you know, we had, we had some young guys come and stay in the house one night uh, in, in, uh, yeah, in the house and, uh, they broke the doorknob. And we were really upset. Why did you break the doorknob? They never used a doorknob. They grew up in a house that had no doors. They're, they didn't know how to use a doorknob. The door got locked. They didn't know how to get out. So they broke the doorknob to get out of the bathroom. Now, I could have gotten angry. We could have gotten angry and scolded them. But instead, I had to understand their perspective. When I understood their perspective, there was grace. I get it. I get it. And so I guess out of all the things that I've said this morning, is there is a kingdom perspective on everything that we encounter. We can allow our perceptions in the way that we perceive what is going on. I could have perceived that they broke the doorknob because they were terrible people. And they were destructive people. But that perception has to go away in order for me to understand from their perspective what's going on. And so my challenge for you guys this morning is to get a kingdom perspective. A kingdom perspective for the poor. Because they live in injustice. The systems are set up. If you're, if you're, in, if you're ahead over a a portion of society, we have to start looking at the way these systems are set up in order to break, the per- to break these things off of the lives of these people. Because we have influence. We can change things at the level that we live in. So... As I close, I want to just share one last verse. And it's actually not in our notes. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, and it's Ephesians. And this talks a lot, depending on the version of which you read this verse, um, it could have a little bit different. But I, I really want to challenge you because... I think we all fit into one of these categories. And if we fit into these categories, I want us to look at what does the Bible say about our position? Okay, so we're going to read Ephesians 6, verse, verse 5 through 9. 
And I'm actually going to read the Passion Version because um, I really like the way that it comes across. It really helps me understand more. Um, so Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, it says, see this, this one says slaves, but it says those who are employed should listen to their employers and obey their instructions with great respect and honor. Serve them with humility and in your heart as though you were working for the master. Okay, this, this version says slaves. How many of you guys work for somebody? Okay, this verse is talking to you. What are you how are you supposed to serve in your place? With honor, with great respect, and obeying their instructions. Verse number six, always do what is right and not only when others are watching so that you may please Christ as his servants by doing his will. Serve your employees, serve your employer wholeheartedly with love as though you were serving Christ and not men. Be assured that anything you do that is beautiful and excellent will be repaid by the Lord, whether you are an employee or an employer. And to the caretakers, this is the employees or the the business owners. Uh, And the caretakers of the flock, I say, do what is right with your people by forgiving them when they offend you. For you know there is a master in heaven that shows no favoritism. You see, we all fit into one of these categories. But in the end, what Paul is saying here to the church of Ephesians is honor, respect, love, and power. I think if we're going to change the world and we're going to end injustice, it's going to start with honor. Because every one of you sitting in this room is his child. Your employees, they're his kids. Your boss, it's his kids. And so we have to have that perspective that everything that we're doing, we're doing it for the Lord. And whether they're serving Christ or not, they're still his kids, and he wants them to come home. And so I hope this morning, by sharing what I've shared, it's helping to shift some of the perspectives. Because if we fail to see the kingdom through his eyes, then we failed the kingdom. Because God has given you authority and position where you're at within the things that you do, your job, your school. And if we're faithful with obeying and reaching those that we have influence in the lives of the the people that we influence, then we'll really begin to see the kingdom of God come together. Pastor Andre, I want to thank you again for having us. Um, Yeah. Let's pray.